Welcome to the Health Science Podcast. I'm Adam Kriz. And I'm Anna Lynn. All right, we're back. Episode number five. Um, number five. Yeah. Um, should, <laughs> should we make a shout out to our, to our German fan? Yes. So to whoever is based in Germany, listening to this podcast, Adam and I would like to say thank you <laughs> for being our international fan. Um, yeah, thanks for listening. That is so exciting to hear. That's so exciting to know. So if you yeah. are out there, just know we we see you. Yeah, so I can look up some of the data about people who download this or where things are downloaded. I can't tell what people are downloading it, but there's there's four downloads from Germany. So I can only assume that it's one person in Germany that has listened to all of our episodes. At least that that is what I'm going to believe. And because I just love that idea. And you know, you can, um, this podcast is associated with the, my high school classes and you can follow my high school classes at FGHS underscore health underscore science um, and get an idea of the types of activities we do in class. And if you do, you can direct message me and say hi, if you are the mystery uh, uh, fan from Germany, so. Yeah. Clarify, it's on Instagram for clarification. What, what did I say? You didn't say anything. You just said follow us. And then oh, I was yeah, like, follow, yeah, where? On, yeah, on Instagram, on, on Instagram. So FGHS. Yeah, send us feedback. Let us know what you think so far. And if it happens to be four people, four different people that have downloaded a random episode, shout out to you too. If it happens to be more than one person, shout out to you. Well, or if you guys can all coordinate and get together and pretend you're one person just to, just to maintain the myth. That would be that'd be great for us. Um, all right, so we're we're recording this the day before. Um, we're going to interview uh, a, a guest of ours, um, Aaron Russell, who's the athletic trainer for Forest Grove High School. Um, and so we're we're going to be interviewing her tomorrow. And so let's see, Anna, you had a great idea of what this episode should be about. Yeah, so since we are, or in this case, you and Fiona are interviewing Aaron tomorrow about injury prevention and just athletic training and what that whole career is about, I thought today we could be sharing some um, personal anecdotes of like athletic injuries that we've sustained during our athletic career. Um, So I think that'd be fun to hear about, you know, what happened, kind of see the mechanism of like injury and like, you know, what treatments we went through, how long did it take, you know, and just kind of, kind of share about that. Now, Anna, have you ever seen Jaws? The movie Jaws? Like the shark? Yeah. Jaws. Yeah. Yes. There's a scene on the boat where they start comparing scars and they start with simple scars and they keep upping like all the very cool scars that they have we should try to recreate that just a little bit here where we should start with our okay. most mild but yet significant athletic injury and just keep upping the ante until we get to our most severe injuries all right i i, I already feel like you're gonna you're gonna win this one i i don't have many options neither, neither do i i don't so this could be the most boring game um ever played 
What's our first game? I don't know, but but we're but we're competitive, so maybe it'll work out. Well, it'll work out. We're gonna go out and hurt ourselves. Um, yeah, let me just <laughs> hop out real quick. <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess I guess I'll start um, with with my first real athletic injury was my senior year in high school. I don't think I was really injured until then, and um, so. I would skip class in high school. Oh, most of my students are going to be listening to this. No, that's all right. So I would skip class in high school and go to PE. Um, that's what I would do when I skipped. Wow. And so, I, by the way, I think we should pay attention to what students do when they skip class. Because I think it says a lot about the people they are and the direction that they should pursue in their lives. So I would skip class to go to PE Lo and behold, I became uh, a division one athlete and a human physiology major. And now I teach the health sciences. I don't think that's an accident, but so I was skipping class in PE and um, we were playing team handball. Have you ever played Ooh. team handball? Of course. Okay. And so, yeah, it's like a weird basketball soccer-ish type game. And so I was running and I, I jumped from the three point line and instead of jumping off the bottom of my foot, I jumped off the side of my foot and com- like completely obliterated um, the, the ligaments in my, in my ankle um, and landed on my back on the, on the free throw line. Anyway, I didn't break my ankle, but I sprained it really good and kind of messed up that senior year of track for me. Um, wow. So that's, that was kind of my first injury, um, sprained ankle, kind of boring, kind of basic. But. No, but very prevalent, very common. Yeah. Um, no. Um, well, I kept thinking about it and I was like, well, I did. What, what, what is a real first like athletic injury? Like, are we talking about like competitive sports first time or like, I would, so what I would classify as a significant injury is something that you had to miss a practice for or go out of a game or that sort of thing. But you can, you're free to define it however you want. If it's a boo-boo you got in, in playing little league soccer, go for it. We're, I'm not here to. You know. No, no. I, I wish I played soccer. I was definitely not, I was not into running at all. Um, I would say my first one that I want to highlight um, would be my junior year of high school. I was on the track team and I just had this like funny, like, it was like either a quad sprain or like a hip flexor sprain. Um, the athletic trainer and I couldn't quite figure it out um, because it was finicky because like at some points it would seem okay and it wouldn't hurt anymore. And then other times it was like, ooh, I couldn't sprint. Um, and so it was very prevalent and it definitely affected like my performance in like the four by one and, the, um, and like the 100 and whatever other events I did. Um, so yeah, that one was an injury where I like definitely had to like see the athletic trainer a lot to get like it massaged, get it iced, get it like heated, all that stuff. So that was that was one I want to highlight. 
I always thought those injuries for runners seemed like so frustrating, like hamstring injuries or quad injuries or, or glute injuries, just because you can't see anything wrong, but mm-hmm. when you're trying to, cause as a sprinter, it's the only sporting event where you're trying to run at maximal speed. Yep. I, there, it's, it's a pretty rare thing, even in football and soccer, most people aren't moving at absolute full top speed. And so when you're trying to go at full top speed like that, just a little nagging of an injury could be devastating. And that's yeah. such a frustrating injury to have. But surprisingly enough, I think one day, I don't know, I think I was, it was like one of those rare days that it was competing in the four by two. Um, and we were, as a team, everybody is kind of feeling mad, but for some reason that day I was like you know I'm feeling good my quad seems okay you know I've been warming up for like the past hour and I actually ran my best like four by two leg ever so I was like nice yeah so it was like one of those interesting things where like yeah it sucks to have an interview but then I think that day I was like you know this is bad I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to push through it and yeah it, it, it worked out really well nice nice so. all right well I think I I, I think I got that beat um, so for my next injury, um, I was doing stair jumps in college, um, hit my shin on the stair, tore a hole in my shin that required four stitches. The cool thing about that story is I was wearing like sweatpants or whatever. Um, and I didn't check my leg until at the end of the workout. So I, I tore the hole in my shin about halfway through the workout, finished the workout, then looked at my leg. And there's a hole in it, which was cool. Was there just a lot of adrenaline going on or something? Like, I, I'm, I'm actually shocked by that. Yeah, well, you know, when you hit a shin, I mean, your shin doesn't have a ton of nerve receptors. No, but it hurts. Like, if someone kicked you the shin, I would be in pain. Yeah, but it's, it's but, the type of pain. If you get kicked in the shin, it hurts just as bad as if you tear a hole in your shin. And yeah, so, so I just, I, I'm surprised it's just not like, ow, like at the moment, just ow, you know? Well, it was, I mean, it was ow, but you know, I, I you know, it was just an owie and I could finish a workout if there's an owie. Um, but you, but you didn't did, see any like blood or anything? It was just like no. an ow, okay. Oh, wow. No, it didn't, it, it didn't bleed very much at all. Um, so um, yeah, so that, that was the first time I ever had stitches too so wow. that there was that injury but I, you know i didn't the same practice for it or anything but that was kind of cool wow that's, what do you that's got? rather shocking um i i don't think i've ever had stitches i don't i yeah i have not yet had stitches um but the next injury well i guess the next bigger injury for me was freshman year of college also track related, I was doing a, um, or an indoor practice because it was like February. So it was like snowing. It was like, yeah, it was like snowing and like, you know, we were snowed in and everything. So we had to do it indoors and I was practicing hurdling. Um, and I didn't have really good shoes. Um, and so the shoes were kind of slippery on the, on the turf. And so when I went to hurdle over, it was just one single hurdle, hurdle too. So I hurdled it, but then like my uh, back leg 
um, my back foot like caught the top of the hurdle. And so I like essentially tripped on a, tur- on a hurdle and um, fell um, knee first. And so I ended up having a um, grade two PCL tear. And the, the wild thing about this story was that because it was like really bad winter or something. So the school was closed for like the next two days. Um, so there was no athletic trainers available for me to like get my knee checked. Um, so when I fell, I knew something was wrong. Like my, my knee was hurting and I was like borderline about to cry. But then I was like, you know what? I, I think it's just more like I'm embarrassed. And then I tried to get up and that's when I knew something was really bad. And, um, my coach, he watched me fall and like left me there. And he started talking to another athlete keep in mind, my head coach was focused on like sprinters, right. And not really any other sport because we had other assistant coaches. And so he was just casually talking to a thrower. Right. And I was just like, I literally looked at him and I'm like in pain. He just looked at me. He's like, you stay right there. I'll, I'll be right there. And I, in my head, I'm like, where am I supposed to go? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And so it, it actually took him long enough to the point where I actually just got up on my own. And it took me a while to get up. So that was very frustrating um, and reflective of the like relationship that I had with my like head coach. So yeah, and so I waited two days for the athletic, for the school to reopen for the ATs to come. And so I got it checked. Um, and for a while, they weren't sure what was happening because I think they assumed it was an ACL tear. But then they decided to do a PCL, t- uh, PCL uh, test and it turns out it was a positive and it was really bad. So it's getting an MRI and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, there's also like an emotional scar attached with this, with this knee injury. So yeah, <laughs> being it was stumped, rough. Yeah, being stumped by the head coach. So yeah, I, I know who your, who your head coach was. And we'll, we, could, we could talk off yeah. camera, off, off recording. Yeah, um, we won't name names, but yeah. yeah um yeah so did did that was that did that finish your track career at pacific essentially and it was it was very unfortunate because in high school i didn't hurdle but i wanted to hurdle really bad and i guess i was just more very shy to ask for that um and so in college i was like yeah i want to try something new and i wanted to try hurdling so i like practiced really hard i like did one-on-one sessions with my head coach and everything and this was like the week the week of our first outdoor meet and so essentially I didn't even get to compete in hurdling uh, at all yeah so it was very unfortunate and yeah it didn't I wasn't like a career ending injury um because I mean my knee is fully functioning and I can definitely do all activities um it's just more of a again that relationship with the head coach and how I felt as an athlete that kind of ended it for me so I went back to volleyball because that was more of my thing so well you were a volleyball player at Pacific is that it wasn't I didn't play I didn't play at Pacific but I played abroad (laughs) oh cool very very cool well I think I think that's the other thing is college is full of so many opportunities that even if you don't have like a a career ending injury there could be just enough injuries to where you're like this isn't worth it anymore there's way too much cool stuff to do when I'm, you know, 20 years old and at college. I mean, there's like, yeah. I don't know. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't really sustain enough injuries to really call it like quits. It was just more like a, it was just like, well, because I, I wasn't, I didn't feel respected as an athlete, but I was like, okay. <laughs> yes, totally. And, and I think that's probably a pretty common experience for a lot of college athletes that you don't feel respected. You're kind of just a cog in the, in, in the machine and, and it's not very personal. It's not like high school where it seems so personal and, and it, you know, you know, all your teammates and go to school with them. And I mean, it was, but I mean, like keeping in mind, it was a small, small school. We weren't like a really big team either compared to like even other like D3 schools. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely, I definitely didn't try to take it. I, I definitely tried not to take it personal. Um, but, you know, seeing how um, my head coach did favor other athletes. So it was more like, a, ah, okay. So I am just another person on the roster. Um, so yeah. it was just like, yeah, you know, it's cool. I mean, I, I enjoyed track and I wanted to try and like, you know, um, get out of my comfort zone, but I mean, I'm okay with not doing it. I, I still am a big, um, volleyball player. I play in, um, recreational leagues. So it's like, you know, it's not a big loss. It's just more like a, yeah. well, one less thing to, to, to do. Yeah, no, that, yeah. that's, yeah, that's it. I think we, I think we got another episode uh topic um yeah yeah so i i don't ha- i didn't have an, for nine years of of training in the hammer throw i didn't have a, another injury other than that one on the stairs so for my next big injury we have to go to when i was 38 years old 37 years old trying parkour for the first time oh so my very first 10 minutes of parkour class and i don't know if anyone's ever tried went to been to a parkour gym, but basically it's a big adult sized jungle gym. And I, it, it was awesome. I got in there and said, okay, go, you know, do, do a couple laps around the gym. And I just went nuts. Like, I was like, (laughs) and jumping on stuff and swinging from stuff and just trying. And I was exhausted. Like my heart rate was beating as fast as it could. And I, you know, I missed um, I missed this jump and kind of landed weird and my momentum tumbled me forward and I put my shin right into a plyo box. Ooh. And so that one, I tore my shin open, um, and it needed 28 stitches. And so that was a Ow. big hole in my, in my shin, much, much bigger than, than one previously. Um, yeah. And so that one started bleeding and I got patched up and drove myself to the emergency room. And um, anyway, and so I, I took pictures and filmed the doctor working on me. And then I, the next day in class, I had a lecture on layers of the skin. Um, so that was good timing. Good timing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I showed it off to the, my whole class after, after I did that. So I think that's my next most significant injury. Well, um, I don't really have anything after that um, in terms of like worse in intensity or just even any other one. So, um, yeah. Well, so my, I'm, my I'm, well, so for, for my last, I only have one more and this is great because um, this is one that Aaron, um, who we're going to interview tomorrow, helped me with. Um, so uh, the, the next one I had, I broke my collarbone last year at track practice, um, playing ultimate Frisbee. 
So because of wow. COVID, we were off the track. We we're just playing on a grass field. We we're trying to do sprint starts. Kids were slipping all over the place. And we're like, forget it. Let's just do some conditioning and play ultimate frisbee. And I was running after a frisbee, um, stumbled forward, and uh, landed with my left shoulder right on the ground. And just I knew right as I did it, I, I broke my collarbone. Um, but it was great. Aaron was right there. So I, I walked over to her and I told her, uh, I broke my collarbone. And she goes, well, let's see. She felt it. She goes, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and uh, wow. after that, I just remember her giving me directions how to get to the hospital. And I just, I, I knew she was talking to me in English and I couldn't understand any of the words. And anyway, so were I you, up, were you just in shock? I assume. Yeah, it was the weirdest thing. Yeah. I was just, I was, she was telling me stories and, or, or stories. She's telling me where to go. I could hear her talk. I knew she was speaking mm -hmm. English. I was, and she goes, do you understand? And I was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Can you just tell me it all again? Cause I didn't understand a word of that. And so anyway, luckily one of the assistant coaches there and drove me to the hospital and had my first surgery on repairing the collarbone. And, and now everything's good. I'm back doing parkour and everything's good. I assume no more ultimate Frisbee. I have not played ultimate Frisbee since. Um, but uh, I'm not afraid. I'll, I'll, I'll do it. It's, it's good. Yeah. You know, it's probably the, yeah, it's probably the 20 pounds I gained from COVID and then thinking I could run fast. I'm going to blame it on that. I think that's. Yeah. I thought COVID is a great reason why things go wrong. I, 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 I support <laughs> that. Thank you so much for, uh, for comparing yeah. injuries. This was fun. That was fun. Yeah. This is a like good it. segue into uh, athletic training. So uh, I'm really glad we shared some uh, personal stories about our, uh, about our bodily injuries yeah it's always a good time anna yeah always a good time have a wonderful evening i will talk to you later all right bye adam bye, bye. listeners so i always do like a quick like hey guys i'm sam girl and you can stream my new single selfish now on all of your favorite platforms like but like for this I honestly think that it would be like. It would be kind of cool to do kind of an inner back and forth sort of thing between you and I, and it just makes yeah. it sound more cozy. I, I, I don't yeah. know if that's the right word. No, I like it. Teachers love your music. And so I, I, put it, I put it on the podcast and stuff like that. And I've gotten several emails like, who is that that, that sings that music? And so. Anyway. Oh, that's awesome. I really appreciate it. Well, I've like, done music forever, my entire life, but I didn't start really recording anything until I was maybe 13, 14, maybe even. Um, I recorded my first single that I put out on like Apple Music and everything in a closet, like not glamorous, like in a closet that my brother had been using as his office at the time. And I knew nothing about it. So like the levels now and everything looking back now is probably entirely wrong, but I went for it. So it's out there floating in the universe now. How, but that's so cool. That, like, because that's the hardest part is just doing it. Yeah. To be able just, just to do your first thing, at least. Mm -hmm. It's a lot scarier to put something out that like only you are responsible for. Like all the stuff that I'm working on now, it's just like, well, it's just me. Like I've taken notes from people and I've asked questions and learned as much as I could, but like ultimately coming down to it, it's just me. And like, that's much harder for me to just be like, well, here we go, I'm putting it out. Like, 
you know, it's it's made me appreciate a lot more like all the stress that takes off of you when you have somebody like partnered <laughs> with you on a project. Yeah, well, shoot. I hope to I hope I hope to be out of one of your shows here really soon. I think that'll be I hope to also be at one of my shows soon. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dream. So, I'm counting on it. Yeah. Um I think you're going to be a star. Like I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to get on the ground level here, and and so when you when you're playing international shows, we can get tickets. Okay, I'm just gonna do the same thing that I do for all of my ads. Perfect. Okay, are you ready? Okay, I'm gonna have to do it with my like face on because it's just it's just how it works. <laughs> Hi, my name is Sam Girl, and you can stream my new song, Selfish, on all of your favorite platforms. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. There you go. That's what I uh, do. That's, <laughs> that's you do it. it. You, do, you do it very well. Um, you just like say the same thing for 20 million takes that sounds exactly the same, and then pick the one you like. <laughs> well, you'd make a great teacher. Aaron Russell, thank you for being here for our very first interview with a medical professional thank for the you. Health Science Podcast. So um, why don't you tell our listeners what you do? Well, I am a licensed athletic trainer, uh, meaning I have a degree. Most athletic trainers have a minimum of a bachelor's. Most have master's, but it's an allied healthcare profession. So we work with physicians, EMS, um, other medical professionals, and we take care of athletes. I currently work at Forest Grove High School as the licensed athletic trainer here, and I take care of any of the kids that get hurt on the field, get hurt um, during practice, and take care of all of their injuries. Basically care, prevention, and uh, rehabilitation of any athletic injuries. That's, that's really cool. Is do you work for the school district then? So what I do is I work for Tuality Healthcare, which is now part of OHSU, and um, I'm contracted to the high school. So it basically saves the high school money, that way they don't have to pay for like benefits, and it's also a benefit to uh, Tuality because they have, and the, and the athletes and their parents, because they have somebody to look for to, to take care of their healthcare needs when they get injured, whereas some kids might have to go to a hospital for something and it's not necessarily that urgent where I can take care of them maybe in the training room and say, hey, you don't need to go to the hospital. But the hospital donates my services, part of them. So I get a thousand hours a year at Forest Grove High School. The Tawali Hospital donates 550 hours a year of my services. So then the high school purchases the other 450 hours a year. Oh, that is great. Yeah, so yeah, that's that's what's really nice. And the great thing is, is like when our teams make playoffs, we donate my services. I still get paid, but the hospital still donates those hours as a bonus, basically, for making playoffs. Oh, well, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really great. So. Um, yeah, that's that's really cool. So what? So a thousand hours, and when do you typically start your workday then? Well, during the summer, we usually have like daily doubles, which are you know, kind of every other day, but sometimes as an athletic trainer, daily doubles for me is gonna be every single day, meaning I might work, it's from 7 a.m. to 8 or 9 p.m. during the summer because some kids have 
you know, practice in the morning on one day and another team will not practice in the morning on the other day and vice versa. So, but during the school year, I work after school from like three o'clock to as late as, you know, 10 or 11 o'clock, depending on how late games go. Right. Oh, cool. So. Well, hello. <laughs> we have a queen in the building. I was going to say, Fiona walks in with a crown. I'm like, oh, hello, <laughs> little homecoming queen. So far we've covered that Erin has a job and we've established when she works. Yes. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. That's great. What's your, so, okay, so Fiona, you just walked in, you're wearing a sash and a crown. Yeah. What is going on I'm with on, a sash and crown? I'm on homecoming court. You're on homecoming court. Do yes. we know, so does that make you like, do they still call them like princesses or queens or whatever? Um, or? Well, we're doing more of like a gender neutral um, thing this year, so we're doing monarchs instead. So it's Aww, like two boys so could get it, or two girls could get it, or just whoever, whatever their pronouns are. Um, so we did monarchs this year. So it does make me eligible. However, we've already voted and we know who they are. We're just announcing them at the game on Friday. Nice. Oh, so you can't. So I cannot disclose any information. Okay. Right. Right. So the crown doesn't mean anything. No, it's, it's just because I'm on court. Okay. All right. Just checking. It was like a hint. I think it means something. <laughs> I think you wear it well. So, <laughs> Thank you. So we have, we have royalty in a, on, on this interview. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um... All right, let's let's get okay, back we on got, track. We enough, about yeah, hours. yeah, enough okay. enough goofing around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, those those varsity football games will go kind of late. I had to work the concession stand at a game, and I was surprised at how late. Yeah, well, and the <laughs> and they also like we go to away games, so oh, that's that, right. So I travel with the the team, and there's like times the other like one of the games where we we're in the Dalles, we didn't get back till like twelve thirty or one o'clock in the morning. Oh, and geez. so yeah, and so I'm still putting equipment away and cleaning the ice buckets out and that sort of stuff. So it's... it's. So you're riding it's on the buses with the teams? Yes. I do that because I have high school students that are um, athletic training students. So hoping to get more, by the way. Um, and so I am basically supervising them. So I can't... I'm not done until I know that those kids have basically gotten their car and driven home or their parents have come and picked them up. Maybe now is a good, you know, let's just, we'll just jump into it now yeah. because a big focus of what I'm trying to do with this health science CTE program is give kids professional skills that they can be functionally or gainfully employed by the healthcare system, ideally when they graduate high school. Right. And I find that to be very difficult. I think it, it's very difficult for students to get work experience as internships or, or volunteers while they're in high school. Um, hospitals are pretty reluctant to um, yeah take, especially with COVID yeah so. um, yeah they're pretty reluctant to take even before COVID it was hard because mm. of HIPAA reasons True. Um, to get um, students in clinical settings someone told me that if, if you find a doctor's office that will take on high school students it's because they don't know the law very well oh uh, wow okay <laughs> so, um, but I wanted to ask you, because you, you are a unique case in which you are a medical professional that works side by side with high school students. Correct. And like you said, you're supervising high school students, stuff right. like that. Medical okay, so here's how it usually works. Um, kids usually show interest and just tell me, hey, I'd like to be one of your student trainers. Um, a lot of them don't even have an interest in the medical field. Sometimes, I'll be honest, some of them wanted to be there because their boyfriend's on the team or their <laughs> girlfriend is on a team. But the majority of the kids that I actually take, I talk to them first, firsthand and find out kind of why they're interested. 
And I have them, they come in after school and help with, like at the beginning of the season, all the paperwork documentation that I have to take care of, um, learning how to set up for games and practices. But they also, we, we take time and I have them learn like how to tape an ankle, how to tape a thumb, how to, we hit a lot of kids with shin splints right now, how to tape shin splints. Um, and they learn how to take care of like, um, they do first aid. So wow. a lot, yeah. So like even on the football field, it's <laughs> my high school students will learn how to bandage up a bloody injury. Oh wow! And the and the the protocol for handing you know, bodily cool, fluids. Though. So yeah, we would teach them. You know, the the one thing I tell them when we're dealing with a bloody injury is get the gauze ready, hand it to the athlete, so you then you can stop the bleeding immediately, and then you get your gloves on, and that way you're ready to go, so you're not touching any blood. Right. So. Yeah, they, they learn a lot. They learn how to deal with high-stress situations. I've had to have them call 911. Um, I've had every season, well, except for this recent season because of COVID, we go to the fire department and learn how to take face masks off uh, football players. So my students, I make them come to that training so they can see how that happens because sometimes I'm holding a kid's neck and C-spine waiting for the EMS to be there. My high school kids are unscrewing their face mask with the screwdriver. So they have to know how to do it. Mean, there's a lot that goes into it. Right. Yes. And, and have you ever had a situation where you've kind of been pretty hesitant with high school kids? Or, or do you have... My mom said something really intelligent um, when I was 17. She mm -hmm. said other intelligent things. <laughs> <laughs> just the only but, nine, but okay. Yeah, but, but one, of the, one of the smartest things that I've ever heard my mom say is, I won't go to the whole story, but basically she says, uh, I trust you to be a 17-year-old. And it was kind of like saying, like, there's a lot that I trust you with. I also trust you that you're, you know, trust that you're going to make tons of mistakes or you're going to act, behave in a certain way. I think I wanted to stay the night in a hotel room with my girlfriend. Oh, yeah, right. And, <laughs> and you know, my mom said no. And I said, Mom, you could trust me. She said, I could trust you to be a 17-year-old. I said, hey, okay, you're, you're right. Um, but so is it, is it kind of like that with working with high school students in such serious situations? Like, you can, you can trust them to a certain extent. Right. And, but you have to know that they're new at what they're doing. Is that kind of a... Well, so, yes. Well, so what I tell my students is I'm not going to have you do something that I don't feel like you're ready to do or that you're not comfortable doing. I'm not going to have a, a, an athlete, you know, one of my high school students do an evaluation on an ankle injury. Um, I make them do whatever they're comfortable with. Uh, and of course, they're young and they ha we, we goof around in the training room and have a good time. And there's times I have to kind of, you know, reel it back in. But that, I mean, that's to be expected. You, you know what their maturity level is. And then, and then honestly, there's some kids that are way beyond the maturity level of other kids. And there's other ones I'm like, their maturity level <laughs> needs some help. Let's put it that way. Sure. So. But I got that sense, you know, my wife's a respiratory therapist. And I got that sense from the stories that she said at work that some of her coworkers could probably, <laughs> sounds like they goofed off quite a oh, bit yeah. in there. Yeah. It's, I guess teachers, we do the same oh, thing. Oh, yeah, we I goof do, too. Work. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I will have kids that come into the training room just to say hello, and sometimes you have to, I have to, you know, yell at them and kick them out. But, you know, I believe in having a good time and enjoying my job. I've been doing it for almost 20 years, and it's, I, I always tell my kids, it's life's too short to be so serious. You can still right. be professional and have right. a good time and enjoy your job. And yeah. that's, for a while, I had, like, a two- or three-year waiting list of, of kids that wanted to be, a student trainer um, just because other kids have had such good experiences with it so and now you're searching for 
Yeah, I actually, yeah, I am. I actually have two students right now that are coming on board um, in the winter that are helping out. They're actually two of our football managers right now. But they're, uh, but I have wanted them when I started talking to them because they were very organized and very professional when they were on the field with the football team and they were excited about doing the training. I'm like, yeah, come on board. So they'll be starting. In yeah, the I'll have to start working on that. What, what yeah. do you, th- why do you think you had, you had more students in the past? Um, I think because back then the, the COVID hit a lot, and so I haven't had as much interaction with the students as I did in the past. Um, and then a lot of the kids that want to do it, the problem is they're in season for another sport. And so I can't have them do it while they're in season because um, it's, it's a time-consuming job. You need to be able to have time to do homework. Right. I mean, it's just, yeah. i, I got to make sure they're not in season for something. Right. It's just too overwhelming. I want them to have a school you know school balance work life balance well okay my typical day is i get here after school um i get to make sure the training room's still in order because sometimes people come into the training room during the day and get ice um but then i have the athletes sign in they have to sanitize their hands first um for what they're getting seen for so i might tape an ankle i might do an evaluation of a wrist injury or or i might get somebody that got a concussion the night before at an away soccer game and then I have to do an evaluation on that. So it's honestly, it gets very, very busy. There's times that I've got, you know, 10 kids in line waiting outside the door to get something taken care of. And having those high school students there that know how to tape a wrist, know how to tape an ankle, or can even help the kids sign in for their injuries, or and kind of basically some of them will actually kind of triage the kids that are out there. Sure. Then, I mean, that's a huge help. And so then I'll take care of whatever needs to be taken care of and then either go out to practice. If I get a chance, there's days that I am doing 10 or 15 um, evaluations in a day. Um, wow. Yeah. So, and, then, and then go to maybe go to a game. So, so the, really, if those high school trainers are speeding up the training or getting someone through a training room, then that has to directly contribute to the performance of a team. Because, I mean, just from, from being a track coach, mm. having a kid come out to practice on time versus 20 minutes late right. makes a really big oh, difference. Yeah. 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 It's, it's been really great. We've had some, a couple of kids where we've had to, that have had broken arms this year. So we've had to, pat, you know, pad their cast. And it takes me a good 10 to 15 minutes to make a custom padding for a cast so they can play in a game. But my, the great thing is my high school students, once I've got that, that custom pad made, when they come back in next time, they can just wrap it on without, and then they're good to go. And that saves me so, so much time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. We, so Ann and I were talking about all the injuries that we've had. That's kind of what, what we did yesterday. Yeah. Um, and that's what, that's what people have just listened to. Actually, that's weird to think about. <laughs> um, so we were talking about all of our injuries. And one of the things that I noticed between all of our injuries is we usually got hurt because we just decided to go out and do something, right? <laughs> yeah. Like for, for me, I, you know, the, when I, the one time I got hurt in high school, I uh, skipped class to go do PE because that's what I did when I skipped class. Um, and so I w- went to PE, played team handball, sprained my ankle. And so, uh, and that's kind of how all of our stories was. The, the other time yeah. I got injured, I tore my shin open because it was the first 10 minutes of parkour class ever. That, 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 <laughs> Oh my god! I remember that. Um, <laughs> you told the whole class about that. <laughs> yeah, I did. A, I, I think I did a whole yeah, lecture. Yeah, you did. Oh, you did. <laughs> but the, so there's there's a theme kind of running through these injuries in that we didn't warm up. 
We didn't do oh, any right. prehab. We just like walked into something and started going like full speed. Um, and I think injury prevention is so important. So as far as like my experience as a track athlete at University of Oregon, and I got really obsessed with warming up. And I had a coach that was dedicated towards um, injury prevention. I went nine years um, with ever having, without missing a practice or a competition because wow. of an injury. And so it's like, in your experience, how, how does the preparation for athletics like determine whether an athlete's going to get injured or not? Do you think it's you think, huge? Yeah. It's, it really is huge. If, I mean, if you, a lot of kids weren't doing stuff, you know, during COVID or even just even before COVID, they're, they're off season and they're not doing any conditioning and then they go out and pull a hamstring because they don't have any flexibility or uh, they might have weak glutes and so that contributes to pain in their knees or whatever so it's it's really really huge um uh with adrian our our cross country and track coach we have over i've been here for like 14 years he and i have talked numerous times about rehabilitation like prehab stuff and he's got a, a great program for warm-up for his athletes that he and i have like basically talked to each other about different things and even this year we had quite a few like shin and Achilles issues and stuff. And then we talked about different exercises that he can start having some of those kids work on before practice to just kind of help prevent any of those injuries. So, I mean, seriously, it's, it is huge. It's probably one of the most important things that's, and it's probably most neglected by a lot of the athletes. Not that they're not doing it. They're also, because some of them aren't, but a lot of them aren't doing it properly. They just kind of, Go, go through the motions. I don't know how many times I see the kids, you know, doing an exercise for their warm up and they're just like, you know, kind of la di da about it. It's the ones that are really care about the sport and are serious about what they're doing actually take the time to do it right. And that's actually that's some of the kids end up being like the captains of the teams because they're great role models. Yeah, because if I know in track, track lasts 12 weeks mm -hmm. tops, I think. It's yeah. a really short season. And so if you develop shin splints as a sprinter, your season's done. Yeah. I mean, just about because you have to cut back your workout so drastically to keep those shin splints from getting worse. Mm -hmm. You're, you know, it's really hard to develop. And so, you know, I've barely been the sprints coach because I've been sprints coach for the last two years, but COVID hit and then right. I busted my collarbone. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, um, it, it seems like if if we could just focus on avoiding shin splints we would probably have a better sprint team but that's <laughs> the only <laughs> thing the we only practiced thing. right right because i mean how, how much faster can a sprinter get in 12 weeks yeah i, I mean I, mean, I, don't, I know. don't know I don't, I don't know either yeah neither. so you might be able to get a little bit better at the block starts and that sort of yeah. stuff but if the workouts you're doing are going to cause shin splints yeah you're not going to be able to work out properly or the full you know right so and um do you think how, how many injuries do you see are like that? They're kind of like overuse injuries or um, injuries that are from um, not preparing well. And then how many of them are kind of like freakish injuries? Let's say a broken collarbone or something. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've seen a broken collarbone <laughs> once or twice. Um, a lot of, I'd say a lot of the injuries could have been prevented. I'd say more than half of them. A lot of the stuff we get are like, um, again, like a pulled muscle. I, I, I can't tell you how many groin issues I have seen this year because they don't have the flexibility in their groin and they don't 
they they do dynamic warm-ups but again they kind of don't do it to the the best of their ability let's just put it that way um i think i've probably seen at least 20 or 30 groin injuries this season which is a lot and i it's never been that way wow. um yeah and so we're i'm talking about doing all these warm-ups and stuff and when i check these kids i will lie them on their stomach and sure enough their hip their flexibility in their hip flexors and their quads is horrible so hmm. yeah and and so we we're going you know i was talking to the coaches about that but a lot again a lot of the injuries tend to be stuff that can be prevented or hamstring issues i will tell you probably 95 percent of the kids and this is just a guesstimate don't stretch after their practices at all yeah so, i never did yeah i mean Am I guilty of it sometimes? Oh heck yeah, I am. But I mean, I know that you're you're gonna get some a little bit of flexibility with it if you can get some stretching done afterwards. But a lot of I know everybody's all about the dynamic stuff, which is great because they're getting some warm up. But you know, it, you got to be consistent with everything. So. Hmm. Yeah, I was yeah I was really shocked about. It. I mean, I went through all my elastographs this year for groin injuries this year. Now, don't get me wrong, a couple of kids like would lose theirs, so they had to use like two or three, right. but still. But that's kind of interesting. And so Adrian, the, the head, track, he's, head track coach was saying, he's just seen a lot of weird performance issues or mm -hmm. weird injuries. And it's something he hasn't, he's not used to, and he's been, he's been what, a track coach for a while now, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so him and I have been talking, we're just wondering like, is it just coming out of COVID? Are kids just so deconditioned that we just have to go back to just super basic movements? And should that be the majority of practice is just working on these basic functional movements? Yeah, I, well, I agree. And I think that's one of the reasons we're talking about maybe doing some functional movement screen testing preseason for um, our track athletes. Um, which oh. yeah, which are exercise physiology students. Right, hopefully exactly. can hopefully can help out with. But yeah, the, yeah, I will I will tell you right now, I've seen kids that I've seen before in the past and compared to the years prior, they're definitely not as in good a shape as they were before. So a lot of kids, you know, have been less active and they've they've also there's kids that have put on weight and they've they've mm -hmm. admitted like, Yeah, I haven't been doing as much and it's been also very stressful. So that tends to you know, make it more difficult for them and they're not motivated and they you know, might eat more or exercise less. So it's something that can be easily prevented, but it's, you got to address it as, as soon as you can. Yeah. I feel awkward that you're saying that right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> I check all those boxes. <laughs> well, who does it? I mean, really? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, it, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to do those, that functional movement screening. And, and, you know, I wonder if it's kind of a deficit. Because I was a exercise and movement science major at University of Oregon, and we focused a lot on the cardiovascular system yeah. as far as a measure of fitness, and not so much of the mobility and right. flexibility stuff as far as fitness. Because I think it's that the cardiovascular system is so easy to measure. Right. Um, and it's really, it, it's easy to measure, it's easy to research papers, and it's, it's, it's easy to teach students and it's fun. You, you get to see the, the right. it, you know, it, it's really fun to see those changes in the cardiovascular system. I'm wondering if there are some, just some gaps in coaching knowledge or athletic knowledge for, for the athletes about the importance of just the human movement system kind of as a, as a whole. Oh, I'm sure there are. I mean, I, I mean, we, we went before COVID hit uh, Tuolity, we were doing a program called Athletes in Motion 
um, every summer. And I would sent messages out to all of our coaching staff, but we didn't get a whole lot of participation from our high school. Be, number one, probably because it was in Hillsborough. But we would do a pre-screening, like a, the functional movement screening, and we would do like time T drills, um, how long they can do a plank. And then we would do a course of activities we would have them do stuff for like four times a week for maybe an hour at a time. Um, and then at the end of that session for, I think we would go for about two months, we would do a post test and see how they improved. And we would like specialize for whatever kid had weakness in their glutes or whatever it was. But, um, and that was a great way to kind of make some improvements. And we had quite a few kids that made some huge improvements, but I think that gets neglected. I think we always look at like um, speed and agility only. and. So, I mean, what's on say only, but it is one of the, the big things that people want to, you know, I want to get faster and quicker and, you know, more mobile, but we don't look at the, you know, if you're having weakness in your glutes or whatever. Well, and so I always wondered if is the focus on, you know, the, the, the bigger, stronger, faster part of athletic training, mm -hmm. it, you know, I was always wondering if that's why we started seeing more ACL injuries. Um, because I remember, I don't remember kids getting ACL injuries when I was in high school right. 20 years ago, yeah. 25 years ago. And then it seemed like it's not terribly uncommon to see high school kids get ACL reconstructions. Right, yeah. And I was wondering if it's more a focus on that speed and strength, speed, and agility sort of training, um, which is happening too soon in, in the athletic development process. Because I always think of like that speed and agility, that's the flower of the plant. Right. And we need to focus on the roots and the stem of the plant probably first before we start trying Correct. to get. That's, and that's one of the things we, we do as a, you know, with some of the programs that we've done in the past is breaking down the basics first. And we get kids that will have them teach them how to run properly or to jump properly. I can't tell you how many kids don't know how to land and jump properly without like their knees buckling in and we have, so they're like we have to break down the you know break down the basics for them to learn how to jump properly and get their hips stronger their core stronger and how to move properly so. yeah so i i do parkour mm -hmm. and the first thing you learn in parkour is how to land right and so you jump you do depth jumps off of boxes so you practice landing and and then you practice falling right because you're gonna you're gonna fall at some point doing parkour, so you learn how to do all that stuff safely before you start doing anything else. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm just bragging that I do parkour. <laughs> there's really no <laughs> there's no other reason for me to say that. Um, um, well, let's you know let let's just skip to the the most fun thing. Okay. What's the grossest thing you've seen? Okay. Yeah, on the job, we don't yeah, need to get. Not, yeah, I'm like, yeah. Like, um, oh my god. Um, I have seen a kid um, basically dislocate or uh, their lower leg from their upper leg. So essentially they had, they tore all the ligaments in their knee. The best way to describe it is there was a kid that was playing football, they got hit in the leg and their knee was bent inwards and there was no, it was obvious that it, the knee and lo the lower leg wasn't connected to the upper oh. leg. So, um, we automatically just call, called EMS because that's not something I'm going to try to splint because with that, it needs to be relocated. Right. Because the you can cut off blood vessels, can't right, you? Right, exactly. Yeah. So that's why we, we called EMS and had them come in and they had to give the kid morphine on the field and then literally take a strap 
pull the leg out and just yank and you could hear the kid oh. all the way up in the stand. And that's something I'm not trained to do and neither, and I don't want to do that. Right. So yeah, that was interesting. And I've seen, you know, broken fingers and bones sticking out of the skin. Mm. And I've had um, some pretty severe injuries on the field. I've had um, one of the things that we had in the past is we've had to spine board some kids, mm -hmm. but we had a kid that had fractured his neck. We didn't know it at the time, but because we do tra annual training with the, the fire department on how to spine board an athlete with a suspected C-spine injury, we all worked in sync and knew exactly what to do to prevent movement of his neck. And um, the kid ended up being okay. He wasn't paralyzed, but had he been, had something gone wrong, if we weren't all trained and all like all on the same page on how to move this athlete, he could have been paralyzed. Right. So what was really cool about that was number one, the kid healed, but number two, the two of the um, volunteer firefighters from the Forest Grove Fire Department got like commendations for it. Oh, that's from the really fire department. Cool. Yeah, it was really cool. And they got written up in their fire department blog. And it was it was because we all worked in coordination. We knew what to do and what not to do to prevent this kid from being paralyzed. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, it was just it's crazy. So um, I was the athletic when I first started teaching, I was the athletic director for a tiny rural school in Oregon. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had the worst football team I've ever seen. Um, we we're playing eight man football. So, you know, the coach is just scraping kids out of the yeah. hall saying, hey, oh. you look you look functional. Yeah. Um, come out and play football. And so anyway, we're, we're playing a team and, and a kid got hit and he started saying, oh, my neck, my neck. And we're out in the middle of nowhere, Oregon. Oh. And so we we no one had any of that sort of training. And so the kid just stayed there in a lump uh, until the, the ambulance got there 45 minutes later. Yeah. And yeah. So, that's yeah, that's scary. Yeah, in the rain and cold and, and that sort of stuff. But um, so, man, it's, that's such a, I, would, I, so I want to say luxury, but I guess it's, I mean, what, what an important service that, I mean, that yeah. you provide. Well, and, and the other thing is, like, there's some people, like, we've had to deal with, I've had to do CPR on a, um, an umpire who unfortunately didn't make it, but being trained in that obviously is um, important. And then we've had to deal with severe concussions. I've had a kid that got hit in the head. Um, and then as we're walking off the field, it literally just starts tanking. So I'm giving, getting his vitals and stuff. And then we start asking him what year it is. And he's saying it's 1976. And of course, the, you know, the kids around have thought it was funny, but I was like, this isn't good. You know, so, and he ended up ha having a severe concussion and a brain bleed and had to do physical therapy oh to learn to walk and to talk again. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, you know, again, it's the, the, you, you, you run the gamut of the kind of injuries. You have shin splints to, you know, a brain bleed. So you just don't know what you're going to get on any given day. So you have to be trained and you have to be prepared. And so with those more severe injuries, as far as the scope of practice of an athletic trainer, you're not... You, you, are, are you, is the scope of practice at like CPR like, or basic first aid CPR sort of stuff? And it's a, yes, but, you're a, kind of a first responder on yeah, the field? Yeah, basically, yeah. But there's other stuff that I'm, you know, trained in more than just that, obviously, like how to do C-spine, how to uh, splint a uh, broken extremity, um, obviously all the rehabilitation and care and prevention of all the injuries as well. But yeah, there's a lot more involved than people even realize. I think, and I think I told you before, people confuse athletic trainers with personal, personal trainer. trainers yeah. and I'm like you know you get the 
occasional parent, hey, can I get a massage? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like no, that's not what I do. <laughs> that's what I did with the athletic trainers at U of O. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well, my high school students here still come into the training room and just go, hey, Aaron, can I get a massage? And I tell them to get out. So, but... I don't I, think they realize that we actually have a medical background yeah. and it's not just teaching people to work out. So that's the, the misconception, unfortunately. You're really qualified. You're really smart. You, you probably could have gone any, anywhere in the medical field. Why'd you choose athletic training? Oh, I chose it because I actually um, got injured running. Um, which what's funny is that I was not an athlete in high school. I actually skipped PE class. I hated PE so much. That's all right. I took your spot, I guess. I was like, oh, that's <laughs> all right. You must have. I'm like, good Lord. And yeah, we go figure, right? So <laughs> yeah, you stuck my spot. Um, but I got, I just got into running on my own and injured, ended up having like tearing cartilage in my knee and doing physical therapy. And then just thought, wow, this is kind of a fascinating field and did a bunch of research before there was the internet. I was actually doing research in you know, actual textbooks and books <laughs> when I worked at Powell's Bookstore. I was like, oh, there's a, a section of careers. And I started you know, doing some research and finding out, wow, this is a, you know, an interesting job and there's other fields I can work in. And um, I just fell in love with it. And I, I did some job shadowing at Portland State uh, to learn what, the, what it was like and what it was really about and realizing there was more to it. And I, and I absolutely just fell in love with it. I find it fascinating. The human body is fascinating and the stuff that you can do to take care of it and the stuff that you can do to injure it as well. So. That's really cool. You never thought like, oh, I want to be a thoracic surgeon? No, or, no nothing along those lines. Okay. I'm like, I, I thought about doing like maybe becoming an EMT, but um, after talking to some friends that, and I'm going on a ride along, I'm like, nope. <laughs> nope, no. there's, there's just a little bit too much for me to, you know, to deal with seeing after some of the injuries. I'm like, no, I don't really want to deal with a gunshot victim. I'm right. like, or drug overdose. Or yeah, or, it's just, yeah. it's too, that's just not something that's interests me. I, I, that's people, you have to have a different mindset to deal right. with those kind of injuries. And this job is not just a job for me. Uh, the best part of my day is coming to the high school. The kids are fantastic and they're annoying and they're fun <laughs> um but i love it seriously there's i mean there's times i'm like i would you know do it if i didn't get paid but me, i mean i still love getting paid of course but i love the kids seriously they make it the most fun than, I, you know i you know because i spent some time working in hospitals and it, you know it sounds like it's a really unique part of your job is you're dealing with young healthy people that are going to be better by the end of the day after, after you're done working with them right. they're going to be better Yes. And I think I think in general schools are such magical environments. That sounds corny, magical <laughs> environments. But they're 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 rare environments in that there's not a whole lot of the place in our society that's a building dedicated towards getting better. Right. When it, it's it's in general understood for students and staff and everybody that walks into a school, we're going to be better people when we leave the school. Right. And so yeah, I think you I think as far as the clientele you work with that's pretty rare, I think, in, in healthcare to deal with young, healthy people. They're going to help get better. Yeah, and yeah, they and they definitely want. I mean, they want to get better. Obviously, so you're going to have the one or two that just want to come to the training room to get out of practice because it's hot outside. Um, but you can't for, blame them, though, right? I mean, I, yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't either. I mean, but yeah. but I still. But I again, most of them want to get better. I mean, and they because they want they have motivation to play. And honestly, sports are a great way for them to stay out of trouble or I mean just anything they it keeps them active keeps them healthy and if I can do anything to 
you know, get them on that path, I'm going to do it. But I, I, will, I also have had kids that have done the athletic training as, as big students. And some, I've had, I had one kid that was involved in gangs, and she, she, she said it helped her kind of get out of the gang situation, which I was really surprised. I didn't know that till after she had, was like almost graduated. Oh, wow. I was like, what? I had no idea. But yeah, so it was very surprising to me. I'm like, so you just never know what kind of life you're going to change, you know, change with, with these kids. I've had kids that, um, that will open up to me about stuff that's going on at home or whatever. And I, I, as a mandatory reporter, of course, I'm going to report right. all those issues. But there's kids that, have, you know, it's helped them with some of their, their depression or just being able to reach out to me or other athletes. I get kids that have, like, are talking to somebody that they would never talk to in school because they're in the training room and they're treating their, their ankle injury. And sure enough, they'll be like, oh, so-and-so said hi to me in the halls today. And they never did before. Right. So you just don't know who you're going to, you know, impact with this job. So what, what would you recommend if, if a student was interested in this career, what would you, how would you recommend that? What, what should they be doing to get into this career? Hurt their knee? Is there a better body <laughs> no. part to hurt? or uh, Don't hurt anything, first of all, would be <laughs> ideal. It's, first of all, um, ask, ask around and see if you can do some job shadowing with me, with somebody else in, in this field. But the other thing is really making sure you're taking all the core classes in high school. You know, your biology, you have to have math as much as people say, oh, well, you're never going to use it. Yes, you are going to use it. Um, the health and, health and fitness classes, anything, like you're taking anatomy and physiology classes, anything in the science classes is going to be is helpful. Also, psychology classes as well, because you're going to deal with people that have psychological issues. Nothing, I'm not saying anything is severe, but you, ha you don't know what you're going to deal with. So anything in the medical field and the science field is going to be probably the best place to start. And you're saying it's a bachelor's program? It's not anymore. It's actually oh, now right. master's. When I was going to school <laughs> way back, it was a bachelor's program, but now it's a master's program. And there's right now, I believe there's only two programs in the state. There's Oregon State that has a program and Pacific. Oh, really? So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Fiona saved me here. I'm, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on questions. What, what's a question you got? Um, well, I feel like I remember during the pre-interview, you were talking about how you want kids to know the difference between a personal trainer and an athletic trainer. Right. Um, and I know you kind of mentioned that a little bit, but if you could get like a little bit more in depth about that, okay. just to get the distinction between them. I will tell you, I was a personal trainer um, while I was studying for my exam to become an athletic trainer. Personal trainer is you're basically getting people into shape, um, giving them exercises. You might get a little bit of their health history and give them an exercise program based on you know what their goals are. But as an athletic trainer, you're not only doing that, but you're working with the athletic population you're working to do prevention of injuries um let's see there's so many like rehab programs out there right now for like acl prevention you know working on glutes and core you are going to be looking um at doing uh on the field injury assessments if somebody gets hurt you might do like a, i think like doing a concussion taking care of somebody with a concussion you might do emergency medical care, like holding some kid's head and C-spine before the paramedics get there, or um, splinting a broken arm, or bandaging a, a bloody injury. I mean, and then maybe you have referred somebody to physical therapy, but you might actually, like myself, work in the physical therapy clinic with your athletes. They will, they will see the physical therapist for their evaluation, but in the clinic, 
I might do all the rehabilitation to, you know, maybe post-op after having an ACL tear as well. Because the curriculum I teach in exercise physiology um, mimics is, is copied from a personal training certification mm -hmm. course. And so personal trainers aren't allowed to do uh, address anything that hurts. Right. Anything that hurts a personal trainer should refer right. their client to a medical professional. Correct. And then they should follow the guidelines set up by the medical professional. I think where the overlap occurs, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong here, the same principles that are involved in um, developing performance are the same principles involved with injury prevention and treatment. Yeah, up to a point. Up it, to a point. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. obviously the, you know, the personal trainers are not going to necessarily have the the background in terms of the right exercises to do, of course, like you know, for like I said, like a post-op ACL, we, I would hope that a personal trainer is not doing that unless they're under the guidance of a, a medical professional. Right. But yeah, I mean, we, yes, they're still doing some of the same kind of, maybe doing some of the same exercises, but ours is basically, you have a medical diagnosis of some sort, and then we're addressing those issues and building a program based on that, and we know what to look for in terms of progression. I mean, like if, if they're doing an exercise and it hurts, we know to, to substitute it for something else right. or when we can have them progress to a different exercise, depending on where they're at in their rehabilitation. Right. I guess I was, I was thinking more along the lines of the, the general adaptation syndrome applies to oh, yeah. uh, going through rehab as it does for someone trying to gain 2% of muscle mass. Okay. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which, yeah. That makes sense. And but so yes. that, those principles still apply. Like for what you're talking about, we're talking about, um, um, uh, reciprocal inhibition of muscles or altered reciprocal inhibition of muscles. So if you have too tight of hip flexors, it's going to inhibit your glutes yeah. and hamstrings right. and make your, your hamstrings more susceptible to being injured. Correct. Um, but a personal trainer would do it because you want your hamstrings to be stronger to get more performance out of your hamstrings. And once you tear the hamstring, then the personal the, yeah. trainer's out, out, yeah, yeah. out of the equation. Then we step yeah. in, yeah. Yeah. Um, which, and the only reason I'm bringing that up is the whole goal of my health, of my, it's not mine, it's Forest Groves. <laughs> Forest Groves Health Science uh, CTE program as we're trying to focus on principles of exercise to prepare students for careers in the medical field because I think that's the best way for high school students to engage with these underlying principles involved with healthcare. And anyway. Do, would you, do you think that's a smart way, a brilliant way? It's, it's very <laughs> brilliant, actually. <laughs> I'm just excited that you guys have this program. I mean, it's, it's, it's not many schools. I mean, I think more and more schools are adopting different pro like programs that are specialized for the kids. But I think it's great that you guys have this for a lot of kids because they don't know where to go. And if the fact that they can reach out to you and other people in the field just by coming to the high school is great it's huge so. yeah yeah well we're kind of getting time where okay. you're you're you probably want to start setting up yeah. stuff for work um is there anything else that we need to cover um do, do you have a instagram does the the training yeah. thing have an I, yeah we have it i haven't i haven't updated in the last like month or two because it's right now is my busy time right so, right but yeah there's a i couldn't tell you what it's what it's what the name is right now though I think if you look up FGAS. I think it's FGHS Athletic or, Training or Sports Medicine. I can't remember for sure. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I, I, I see on my Instagram uh, yeah. every now and then. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen your health science one. Well, shoot. I, we, I think that this is a great conversation. 
what a great first guest. Well, second guest. Yeah. Yes. Fiona, Fiona was our first guest. Number one, baby. <laughs> You're all going to be number one. <laughs> so, Aaron Russell, thank you so much thank for you. being on the pod. Um, we'll, we'll have you on again sometime. I think yeah, I want, I I want to have it. Adrian on. Um, I think the next guest we're going to have on is my buddy um, Lance. Lance Deal, who is a four-time Olympian and a hammer thrower and that sort of stuff. Oh, but that sounds like a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it would it, be fun to kind of have a panel discussion or something like that. Yes. Yeah. These sort of things. But anyway, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And we'll, we'll see everybody next time. Yep. <laughs> Always got to get the last word in.